Hi, I'm Andy Nielsen, and welcome to the podcast. Each week, we ask a guest about their book, album, game, or film collection, delving into the stories behind the items. This is Physical Goods. My guest this week is Peter Jenkinson. Journalist, presenter, and all-round toy expert, he is also the editor of news and review website Toyology. Who best to talk all things play? Our conversation was recorded remotely in early February. Hello, Peter. We're in. (laughs) Hello. It's very exciting. So, yeah, thank you very much for joining me. Maybe a little bit about yourself and toyology.co.uk. So my background is as a technology journalist since before mobile phone ubiquity, 2000, 2001. I was a tech journalist for Press Association and a few tabloid newspapers, and they all embraced me. I'm like, oh, we've got a technology journalist, but now everybody wants to be one. So uh, after about four or five years it became apparent that I needed to find kind of a, a swim lane that belonged to me. Um, and just a young kid, wanted more kids, thought toys. Didn't have a lot of toys as a kid myself because I grew up on a farm. So it was all hammers, nails, chickens, cows, and cleaning up after them. And the there was a Maureen Lippmann advert, which was, Hello, son, you've got an ology. You're a genius. So toyology, that kind of came about. And then I became toyologist and became a thing. Um, and it's continued to this date. So toyology is kind of, we review toys. We do creative campaigns for toy companies. We try and steer parents away from plastic tap, which over the last year or so has become really apparent that parents are willing to spend more to have less as long as it's got that longevity. So, you know, business has become really interesting. And board games obviously has started to peak over the last four or five years, but especially during lockdown, um, outdoor, outdoor play has become a massive thing. So it's, it, it's all worked. It's all worked brilliantly. So it's a combination of stuff. So it's a bit of creative campaigns, reviews. It's not just a website. So we work for big corporates. We do um, talking head stuff. We do trend analysis. Anything on the toyosphere um, is, um, is is where we sit. Um, and, and anybody who's got enough of a sense of humour to listen to somebody like us, rather than you know boring data analysis and analysts, sorry, analysts. Um, so we kind of sit there. So it's um, yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting business, and um, it's it's busy, which is great. I'm very very lucky. Does the site are you kind of catering more to consumers, or is it more the B two B B two B trade side of things? Uh, definitely, Toyology is aimed at kid adults now, very very firmly. Um, so that market has grown exponentially. I'm not a massive fan of that word, but last year. 16% of all toys sold were sold to adults who were buying either for themselves or for adults to buy for themselves for other adults. Um, and you can see that when you look at Lego Creator, that range, as there are more Lego 18 plus boxes than we've ever seen before. Um, and lots of mm. um, gr- like grown up, um, let's say, ACDC jigsaw puzzles, for example. There's a there's a company that just specialise in one thousand piece classic album covers. The board games, um, as I've just mentioned, right. um, the ones that are kind of you know a little bit um, more complicated than your regular kind of guess who's or monopolies. 
So that market's growing massively. So we, we're, we're kind of catering for that. And also for like Funko and vinyl and collectibles, that's, that's, that's grown. So we're kind of, we're shifting into that arena rather than looking at, we don't do baby toys or nursery toys because mum, mummy blogs, they look after that and they take care of that really well. Um, I'm not interested in that. Right. Um, but our market, yeah, we've targeted it and we're doing really well on the back of it. It's great. It's funny you say Funkos. I mean, I, I swear there's a, a Funko for every character in every known book, film, movie. Man, I don't know how. Where, where, do, you, where, do, you, where do you stop collecting them? Um, so I bought, today I bought a Bill Murray Groundhog Day, which comes with a little groundhog, yeah, which was yesterday. Um, and the week before I bought a um, Zoltan from yeah, Big. Yeah. Uh, but I've got, I've, you've just got to stop because there's just, there's, you know, there's a Funko for absolutely everything. Yeah. I'm always amazed how they can just keep coming out with new drops and you're like, oh, wow, I, I know that character. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, that kind of feeds in quite well, really. So currently in, in your, in your current abode, how many board card games do you think you currently have in the house right now? It's, it, it's tough. Well, in the house, not many. Okay. Uh, my wife's not a massive fan of what I do. She wishes I'd get a proper job. I used to have a proper job um, when she met me, and then I gave it up literally within a year of meeting her. Uh, <laughs> 20 years down the line, she still wishes I had that job rather than this one. Um, so in, in the house, I can say that we've probably got maybe three really decent Lego sets. Uh, one is the Friends, uh, the Central Perk, uh, Ecto-1 from Ghostbusters, and we've just nice. uh, acquired the uh, new Lego uh, flower bouquet, which is beautiful. Um, we've got a couple of really nice wooden games that are kind of quite high end that just look nice. That uh, what I would qualify as shelf worthy. So they, yeah, they, mm. they just they sit and they look nice, but most of all, they don't annoy her very much. <laughs> kind of blend in the background, do they? But, almost? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but most, uh, so, my, but my my actual ownership of, I mean, board game wise, because we before stuff kicked off, uh, myself and a friend of mine called Leslie uh, have a board game club, which isn't kind yeah. of very consumer focused. It's more like inventors meet brand managers, etc. So it's people in the industry all come together. So I built up quite a collection and I write about board games quite a bit for the press. Uh, so in my garage, I've probably got over a hundred board games that are not all, yeah, most of them are within, dated within the last couple of years. But I do, I kind of go back to my classics. There are a few that I pick up on eBay that I don't really play, but I just, I really enjoy the artwork on them because Back in the day, artwork on board games was just literally the man who owned the board game company and his kids on the front looking really smiley in a scary way because they knew they were going to get a fiver if they smiled <laughs> and they were all on the packaging. But today, you know, some of the board game artwork is, is as good as the game that's inside. Two of my favorites are one, one is Wingspan, um, which bizarrely is like a bird watcher's board game. But it's not for bird watchers, but it's just a beautiful game with beautiful pieces. Um, and another one that I've got is called Photosynthesis, which is just about like changing of the shadows of the sun and each move you turn the s shades around and the, the shades fall across the trees and you get points if you get other trees in the shade. It's just, it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. But in its box on the shelf, it's like it's got that coffee table book aspect to it, like a tash, like a 
like, like, a, ta- like an like art a book, book or, something. or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've, I've started collecting those and I've got a few that I've never even played, but they just look really nice. Nice is not the best word, but it's the only word I've got. They just look good there alongside the coffee table, um, books. Um, so, uh, it's, um, it, it, it's hard work. So I do, I do a bit of shifting every, maybe every couple of months. I have to take some out and put new ones in there, go to the garage and open the door and everything collapses on top of me. And I think, well, somebody else should benefit from all of this stuff that I've got. Cause I do get quite a few samples. I'm very lucky. Uh, people send me stuff to test. So I'll, um, I'll kind of create a package and take it along to the, um, the charity shop or, um, anybody. Mm anybody who's willing to take them because you just they, there are so many new titles coming out right now it's um it's a, it, there's an a, a, an amazing turnover it, it's it's a combination so it's so yeah board game companies are kind of going for that shelf worthiness uh the beautifulness of the game the actual gameplay itself is obviously really important for core board gamers but not everybody's that interested in being a board game geek some people just want them for like a one play and put it away. But if it's got beautiful artwork, um, that, that, you know, it, it, it does tap into that shelf worthiness and the coffee table bookness mm. of it all. Absolutely. I, I think that's a common thread amongst a lot of items that people want to collect. It's, it's that displayability, as you say. It's that, yeah. that statement of, of yourself almost you know, on the shelf. It's uh, yeah, a powerful thought. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. That that's now, but I don't know if I could take you back, take you back to the beginning almost, and the the the, the start of your kind of game toy life. Can you can you remember at all the first um, the first board game you played? I suppose the first board game I played would have had to be one of the like you know a true classic, like it would have been chess or drafts, but anything with a brand on it would without a doubt have um, been Othello. Mm. Which are the pieces? So it was a, a beige felt square with um, tiles that were circular, black on one side and white on the other. You started in the middle, and it was you turned the pieces, and you had to turn your pieces the most white, or the opponent had to turn their pieces the most black. Superbly simple game, but it was the only time I can remember okay. that me and my mum could ever sit down and not have a row playing Othello. And it's still a classic now. Me and my daughter... They're still making it. They still make it now. It's still out there. Um, I've got an original. I've got the modern version. Obviously, one is better than the other. I'm not going to say which. <laughs> we've also started... Um, we've uh, very recently started to play uh, Cluedo. Yeah. We kind of... Sometimes we lighten up the rules a little bit. And whatever anybody says about Monopoly, <laughs> it's just a go-to game. It's just a great thing to get out and play. It's really simple. But always card games, you know, anything mm-hmm. simple. Um, I've taught my daughter, my youngest daughter, how to play poker in a really simplistic fashion. Uh, but there's also, um, you know, uh, good old games from uh, back in the day called SHIT Head, uh, which was a great game I used to play with my grandparents. What's better than just, you know, a quick game of Snap? I'm, I'm a massive fan of always, I've always got a pack of cards in my bag. But then, you know, updating that, I've always got a, a packet of double in my bag as well. Um, double? What's that? Double. So double is um, circular cards, and they've all got different characters on. And you lay them out, and you've just got to you've 
just got to match the characters as you take the cards out. But there's seven or eight different ways to play. It's okay. a really good party game. It's a really good game to play with kids. Um, but I, I mean, I love to revisit things like uh, Ludo is also great. It's a classic. Um, yeah. and, and to have a chat with your kids is, and you don't have to be great at it, but have a game of chess. And Queen's Gambit has like mm. just elevated that game back into, uh, it has made it, stra- it, well, the growth has been stratospheric recently. Look on any charts online. Uh, but it's a, it's a really good game to play. But I think when you get involved in that game, just don't think you want to be really brilliant at it. Just enjoy it for what it is, a little bit of strategy. Mm. Uh, but the classics are good, um, as is, um, I guess, my <laughs> my go-to classic game is Guess Who. It is a classic. Yeah. It is a classic. Do you remember the first time you played Guess Who? I do, where, where all the characters looked a little bit dodgy. <laughs> In what way? Well, they just all looked a little bit like... It, just, it looked like they were um, all on a police lineup. Oh, I see. Where, whereas now they all look a bit more friendly. But back 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 in the day, they just all looked a little bit like the people that would peer around the corner of bus stops, looking at you <laughs> in a weird way. Uh, but it's still it's still an absolute go to game for us. Oh, absolutely! It's it's you know it's it, and it's so simple, and I feel it really breaks down with language. Like it, it, anyone can play it. You know, it's it's, yeah. it's it's a very visual game in that sense, isn't it? And um, it, if you really can be bothered, um, and I have done this not last Christmas before. Um, do some uh, do 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 your personal do a personalised version of it because it doesn't really. It, it sounds like it takes a lot of effort, but it really doesn't. It's two pictures of like each member of your family and just stick them back in. And it, that's a it, great idea. It, it really it really does work. It takes a few hours, but it's um, like the whole process of doing it is as much fun as playing it. Um, so, but back on your back on your farm days, uh, <laughs> if you don't mind me saying, I mean, do you remember? where you were getting these board games were they already in the house were these things your parents were bringing in um were you going out to find them so back in the farm so the farm days were um so anything that came in was definitely on the back of an argos catalog which was i mean our local argos was probably 40 miles away so that was like a proper day trip just to even get the argos catalog but there'd always be one came back and it was you know, it was it was thick enough to keep a barn door open. And I think that's why my grandparents got it, um, just in case. But when we got it, it was like one of those things you thumb through and you'd point out a few things and you'd get the games that the, were the most visually appealing. We all knew about Monopoly and Cluedo and the Guess Who games, but there'd, there'd be things that kind of sprung out and you might think, oh, I'll take one of those, like a Domino Rally or something a little bit weird um, that your other kind of, um, farm mates were couple of go, whoa, that I've never seen that before. So you're always looking out for something that was a little bit, um, a little, a little bit, um, off piste. Um, so when, when, when you sort of maybe got a bit off. So my, like, my, like literally my 14th birthday present from my grandparents was 50 chickens. A- actual chickens. This is, this is not, it's not actual a game for 50 chickens, right? No, it was, a, <laughs> they actually bought me 50 chickens. That was the guy, and my sister for her twelfth birthday, she got a pig. <laughs> what was what was the the kind of the, the thought behind that? Was it to sort of teach you about rural farming? Just, or? No, they absolutely wanted us both to become farmers, and my sister became a social worker, and I went into banking. Wow, so quite far from uh, it worked, <laughs> farming. It worked out really well, thanks. <laughs> uh, so, when you were getting a bit older, do 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 you, do you recall? 
you know, buying toys, games yourself with your own money when you had a bit of disposable income for these kind of things? I think I I went through a period of not playing any games at all and just going out all the yeah. time. Uh, I think my revisit to my realization that I didn't really have many toys and games as a kid. I mean, I remember one or two classic games as a 14, 15, 16 year old. I left home really early. Uh, I moved to London. Um, I just did that London thing. And then at about probably mid thirties, had first child, thought, God, mm. there's some really interesting toys out there. I'm going to buy all of them. I'm going to make my children love toys. <laughs> so I just bought like literally everything. Um, it was, it was quite an eye opener. And then I became a journalist just by default and then chose my swim lane, which was toys. And then just kind of packed my life with toys. That must've been a real joy to kind of start sharing toys with small kids and small children. Cause it's just to sort of guide them through that delight of all the various games and, and, and games and toys that you can get for them i'm not even sure they were that interested but i cared a lot. was it more, more you <laughs> it was definitely it was all about me yeah so they want to just play with the box it comes in you know it's all it's still all about the box and you know what we've done this full circle now it's you know toy companies are all about boxes um mm. there's a really there's a fantastic range but there's loads of fantastic ranges now there's um, there's a big push towards green games and recyclable toys etc um, but there's there's one particular toy that I, I bought myself for Christmas, which is by Little. Uh, it's called uh, they're called Britons, and they make toy okay. tractors and farm based toys. But it's called Farm in a Box, and it's a box, mm. obviously. And you open the box, and it's tractor, animals, fences, stuff, and the box becomes the farm scene, and the, so everything in it is part of the play. And when you finish playing, it all goes back in the box. And it's just, and there's so much of that around at the moment. Like uh, there's a company called Junko who um, uh, supply parts where you uh, can interconnect your um, water bottle with a plastic cup. And they supply the parts that enable you to join things together and put wheels on to make toys out of everyday items. Oh, so it's nice. kind of, you know, okay. it's, so it's come, that, 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 that circle is fantastic. I, yeah, I absolutely love this stuff. And it really kind of push, put in the focus back on imagination, right, of the person, yeah. person playing. Well, without with a doubt, there's so, there's so much imagination out there. But there's imagination coming from the toy manufacturers. I mean, they're definitely, they're not being lazy. Probably even more thought gone into how kids can use the basic play to enhance stuff that you've already got, but just kind of take it a little um, a little bit further yeah there's some there's some great stuff out there what specifics are you excited about in terms of the 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 themes we're seeing is it these kind of eco toys is it these imagination based yeah i i'm I'm not i'm not a massive fan of kind of just the eco thing i think we just it feels like sometimes we're lots of people are jumping on a bandwagon what's really exciting is there are smaller toy companies that are enabled because of um, crowdfunding and Kickstarter and our um, our desire to teach our kids a better way to play. And we're, we're beyond that. I mean, you know, a decade ago, it was all about piling the pile of plastic tat. Like, buy your kids more stuff because they will love you more. 
Okay, maybe that's not quite true, but you know what I mean? Whereas now there's a lot more thought goes into um, gift buying. It feels like we've gone 20 years ago, whereas like, you know, as a kid, I had, uh, I remember one particular Christmas, I had a, uh, a gift that was for me and my sister. I'm like, really? You put something for, and it was a pool table. And it was the best Christmas present I've ever had in my life. But I shared it with my sister because it was something that had longevity, playability. We just loved it and it got us together. It was collaborative. The family used to play with it. And I think there's a lot more of that going on now. And I think moving forward, we've got more of that going on, um, that people are willing to buy, uh, spend a bit more on big ticket items that will just last a bit longer, but just have that collaborative effect. Yeah. I think there's, there's more of that going on. And lockdown has really only um, enhanced that, 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 that play pattern for me. How do you think this almost now year-long lockdown has affected toys and games? You know, are, are, what are you seeing in terms of interest rise? What's declining? You know, what do you think people are after right now for these kind of products? It's really interesting. So, so last year, um, toy sales in the UK last year were up 5% in the UK which is a really solid number. Last year, there was probably a small decline. Year before, maybe a slight uptick. Mm. 5% last year. In the States, 16% toy sales were up last year. It's amazing. Phenomenal. Um, what we've seen is, so during the first bit of lockdown is outdoor toys was massive. So anything up to 40%. You couldn't buy a trampoline for love nor money. I'd heard this anecdotally. Yeah. Um, in, I think there was a, a statistic out of somewhere. I think it was Arkansas that they sold enough trampolines in one month last year to cover 450 American football stadium. Oh and you really couldn't, you couldn't buy them. And at the moment they're having, um, you know, there are interesting things going on now with Chinese uh, border restrictions and uh, Brexit and all of mm. uh, any other stuff, but not just outdoor play was up to so board games peaked massively last year educational play peaked massively stem stuff yeah craft stuff anything to keep your kids quiet stuff <laughs> peaked massively is that is that an official official tagline it should be a category products <laughs> uh so it's it's really interesting so there, there were massive numbers for last year i, I guess my only i'm i'm concerned well no not not concerned I suppose I'm, I'm interested to see how this year goes because the toy industry had a massive year last year. Mm. But do we need to buy another trampoline this year? Do we need to buy more, more board games? Do we need more Lego sets this year? Or are people just clever enough to start recycling stuff and just reintroducing different play patterns? Like, let, let's break down that £500 Millennium Falcon I bought you last July and make something slightly different. Um why don't you use last year's trampoline? So I, you know, this year I'm kind of, I don't know where the toy market's going to go. I think it'll be probably flat. I don't think it'll peak. Um, I don't think it'll reduce because we're still trying to keep our kids quiet um, and happy. Um, but it's going to, it's going to be really, really interesting. Um, board games obviously had a massive year, but do we need to buy more board games? Have we got more room for any more board games? We don't need to buy more board games. But there are still more tiles coming out all the when, time. When it comes to board games, actually, do, are you seeing? Do you see intense um, competition from video games, 
or are they sort of two quite separate markets? It's a good. It's a really good question. Um, I would say that 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 paranoia in the board game industry was probably really prevalent six, seven years ago. As, as it was when 3D printers mm. came out, like, oh, no, it's the end of the toy industry because people are going to print their own stuff. Well, well, they just don't. And 3, 3, 3D printing has kind of gone... It's so expensive. They're, they're, they're not know, it's kind of quite specialised. They are. They are. And, and, and they're a bit of a pain in the ass. They're nice to have, but that's almost a, like, that's an individual hobby. It's not something that's going to take over toys. Um, I, I think... I think video games and board games are two completely different entities. I think people who love, you know, um, things like, let's think, um, a really good example, Among Us, which is a massive video, uh, 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 iPad, I, uh, uh, an online yeah, game. Yeah, like, like a kind of um, were- werewolves. Remember the, the game Werewolves you'd play or Gangsters, where it's like who the who who's who done it kind of thing. Yeah. So the kind of so Among Us um, and Fortnite are two massive online games, um, and they just extend themselves to creating um, physical products. So I think there's just an extension mm-hmm. of video games. Um, I don't think um, people who love video games have time to just switch off and go and play board games. I think there's time for both. I don't think any. I don't think either. Um, should know it but i don't think one saturates not saturates saps from the other you know if you're a massive Fortnite fan i think sometimes you are happy to switch off and you might quite like a physical Fortnite thing to maybe role play with some other Fortnite fans and kind of recreate your own Fortnite role play scenario uh, if you're a hardcore Fortnite gamer then you'll just stay on that all the time um, but there, you know, there's, there, there, there's a massive licensing, um, industry and it was yeah. almost up to 40% a couple of years ago, um, of the, 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 the toy market that was based on video game licenses or film licenses. You know, Star Wars is a great example. You know, there's a massive Star Wars toy market. Um, that's never going away. Um, um, uh, but that doesn't dilute the amount of Star Wars fans there are. It just kind of extends their interest into something that's physical. Yeah, it, it reminds me of um, Minecraft, which was Minecraft based on Lego. Is a brilliant example. And then Minecraft released a Lego set, so and, it goes full circle. And now there's, a Mi- and there's Minecraft board games. And people love right, those. Right, is there? Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure about Minecraft jigsaws, though. I think that's just a step too far. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've seen jigsaws of Sky and uh, <laughs> Peace and Grass. So, <laughs> uh, so, so in in lockdown, have have you and your family been turning to any kind of classics? Do you keep coming back to certain games or toys in the house right now? I think we I have we've started to revisit some classic uh, card games. Yeah, um, and we've gone back to things like Guess Who, Cluedo, Monopoly. We kind of mash it up a little bit and we might just play with different rules. Uh, Yahtzee has become, it's, it's kind of always been a favorite in our house. I think anything that doesn't turn your kids off, what you've got to do in my, well, certainly in my household with two digital natives is start them off with something that they know they only have to play for. Like, oh God, dad wants to get a board game out. Okay, let's start with Yahtzee or double. We'll have a quick game. And if you win, you get a chocolate bar, whatever. You don't even have to put a bribe on the end of it, but just let's play something that they know is only five minutes. They'll have some fun. 
And then you go, well, do you fancy playing a game of something else, perhaps? Let's go for, um, like, there's some really good exit games, like escape room games in a box. There's a, Oh, cool. Um, they're called exit games made by Thames and Cosmos. There's a game called Trapped, which is really easy, and the part of the fun of it is setting it up and playing it. Um, you get them to do that, and that's half an hour. And then after that, they're like, okay, um, we'll do something else. And kind of just make that general progression. Don't go straight into, let's play photosynthesis. And they'll go, no. <laughs> it's quite advanced, right? Going, yeah, that level. I'm, I'm going to file my nails already. Uh, so just kind of make a little bit, like, you, you, some steady progress. And during that, it's, um, I mean, it, it probably sounds a bit geeky, but during the play, it's not just about playing the game. For me, it's kind of when something interesting happens in Cluedo or Monopoly, um, it, like, it just ask the question, how might you change that? Or what do you think of just having a, like, a little bit of banter in between rather than just playing the game? Don't be so like in the game. Because um, you can get some really interesting um, feedback from kids. I bet. Well, they're they're the ultimate sort of opinion makers on these kind of things because it's 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 games for them ultimately. So oh, they should be much more as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so well, it's funny you kind of mention you know initially these classics like your Cluedo and your Monopoly and Guess Who. I mean, do, do you have a theory of why people keep coming back to these kind of staples, these classics? What's the appeal when you have so much competition out there now? Well, because as a parent, you think you're a smart ass because you know the rules already. Like, yes, yes, of course. Uh, I think, yeah, number one is because uh, uh, you can preside over the rules because you kind of know, you just know what they are. Uh, overall, it's just that it's the nostalgia of the stuff. If you, you buy a new Cluedo set or a new Monopoly set, you can just have there's just that banter that you can have. I remember when Professor Plum used to be Mrs. White and Mrs. White is now this other person, this other character. And like Cluedo is my go-to example. I've got a, I've got a Cluedo set from 72, which has got a dagger that will hurt you. It's actually like a metal shiv, is it? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And a, and a lead bar that's made out of lead. Whereas now it's a plastic piece of rope and something that is shaped like a dagger. Softening it down. Exactly. (laughs) So it's kind of just that whole, it's not about the game when you play those classics. It's about the memories and just the recall. And again, it just goes back to the banter. It's really not about the game for me. Mm. If they enjoy the game, well, they do enjoy the games. (laughs) I don't force them into this. (laughs) But you can just kind of add that in to, like me and my gran used to say, you could you could literally pick up a sausage with the dagger in the 1972 Cluedo, whereas these days it would melt if it went anywhere near anything that was above 10 degrees centigrade. Uh, there's so much nostalgia out there presently. You know, comparing the Guess Who characters from then to today, the Monopoly characters from then to today. Uh, but then you can, you know, it's not just all about, I'm really not saying it's like, uh, when I was a lad, it was so much better. It's, like how things are just different and the progress, you know, you look at a game like photosynthesis, like, my God, I couldn't even spell that when I was 10. And now you're playing a game that's all about it. For example, you know, there's a game about bird watching that would never have existed. You know, it, it, you, know the, 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 you know, and back when I, you know, we were buying board games, there was a lot of plastic, loads of plastic tap out of the Argos catalog. 
and there's lots of really well thought out strategic games these days. So it's you know there's there's loads of improvements and there are loads of differences and there's it's not just about the game. For me, it really isn't. It's like you know if I could talk about and I'll probably bore them. It's not just the difference in the artwork, as we said earlier on. Like it was just the man who owned the toy company on the front of a box with his kid going great game but now it's like proper it's artwork it's stuff that you'll leave out on display so it's it's all these differences and these nuances and it's there's conversation to be had so it's not just about the game it's about everything yeah absolutely i guess that kind of feeds into the idea of those almost those big battle skirmish games where you will take a day to play them and it's an event in your household right it's you're kind of building up to it and you've you have lunch breaks and you you have discussions about yeah about the game and the strategy no absolutely i mean so so the, I mean, like the biggest stock market price rise last year i think is it warhammer those shops i mean they're closed now but they i mean they've done amazingly like their share prices up 350 400 percent the last two three years and that's people going into shops painting minifigures and doing battles against each other I'm like what no that and that that was like 10 years ago when your video games were having a real peak oh they will never last but they've opened more shops than ever before and people are playing those because people love that physical interaction because it's not just about the game there it's about you playing against that person and having the banter about what's going on over here i mean do do you think we've just we're slowly becoming a nation of of massive big kids it seems it's more Certainly, there's more people wanting to get involved with playing these board games, or is it people were always interested, but they were maybe too shy or too afraid to kind of they might have been too, jump into that love. They might they might have been too shy. I'm not. I don't. I don't know. They're, but there's 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 so much less embarrassment. Maybe there was some. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of it's a tough one to ask me because I'd never really given a crap. Uh, but yes, to an extent. But now you you know you look at the um, hands-on experiences you can have across the nation, like going and playing crazy golf and drinking cocktails and having street food um, and going out and playing Bluetooth darts at you know, flights of fancy or crazy golf places. Not, it's, none of these things are aimed at kids anymore. They're aimed at kids and maybe their kids as well. But it's an absolute, the, the, the kid alt sphere is growing exponentially. There's, yeah, the, the the embarrassment is is um, is been lowered. I'm, I'm just trying to think why, why it is it is it people like Bradley Walsh and Michael McIntyre that just you know just comedians that act like dicks all the time. You know, not not just male and female comedians. Um, the kind of TV program the TV programming that we have that allow you to act a little bit less straight. Uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of that that absolutely feeds down, and it, you know it's proved that the numbers are there to prove it. You know, with the kid, the kid alt market was twelve percent three years ago; it's up to sixteen percent. Um, it probably will peak over twenty percent next year because we're all having to stay in. And what you know, what are you going to do when you stay in? if you can't go out and play crazy golf and eat street food? You're going to buy a Lego creator set. You're going to buy a toy to play a Scrooble Scramble. Or a guess who set just for the hell of it. Um, so I think we're um, we're all kind of we're all kind of leveling out age wise, aren't we? And with uh, and homeschooling is definitely bringing that home for me because oh god. Are you incorporating elements of play and toys through the homeschooling at all? 
No. So you're sticking to the sticking to the curriculum. <laughs> I, no. So I get homeschooling out of the way, and I do what I have to do, yeah. and then we go directly into building something out of Lego or playing board games for the rest of the day. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not mashing up the two because that would just that would that would screw things up for me. Yeah, it's kind of two worlds colliding, right? At the end, I just like to. T- I like to tick the curriculum boxes. If somebody was to come to me, if to, if if a board of education would come to me and say, "Can we mash up board games or play with uh, the curriculum boxes we've got to tick?" Then I would happily look into mm. it. But nobody's done that so far. It, it just feels like we're still in a phase of if schools have got to tick boxes. Um, and therefore, it feels like parents have got to tick boxes. So I like to do the tick boxing and then do something much more interesting. I think my kid, I think my kids learn yeah. much more from saying, "Has he got a moustache?" No. <laughs> <laughs> Was he Professor Plum in the study with a dagger? No. But it's that problem solving, isn't it? It really gets them thinking. Yeah, no, it works. And the the exit games are really superb for that. Mm. Um, so the exit games and trapped. Um, and any of those things are really, really good mentally, much better than any homework that I've ever done. Um, there are loads of maths-based games. There's Scrabble. Oh, my God. Yeah. What a great course. game. How can Banana we not mention Grounds. Scrabble? What a brilliant game. Uh, Monopoly's kind of quite savvy. It, you know, it, Wingspan just teaches you about different breeds of birds, and you're just playing a game for an hour and a half. Photosynthesis teaches you how to spell a really tricky word. I love that. Um, I just wondered if we could talk about the um, board game club a little bit. Um, I, I assume it's currently on hold right now. It's been on hold for ages, actually. We haven't had a board game club since Christmas 2019. Okay. So, so for the for the listeners uh, who don't know what that board game. Sorry, club is, yeah. So, uh, board game clubs. Um, I, I think there were there are probably over 250 different board game clubs across the UK that board game cafes that have opened across the UK. Um, and my myself and my uh, business partner Leslie set up one called Board Game Club, which was uh, based in the West End of London, and it was designed to get people together who were board game inventors, designers, bloggers, journalists, anybody else who was interested uh, to come together and kind of almost do a little bit of playtesting in a way, and also and just um, bring out new games and play them together. Um, so it was quite, it, it was quite industry focused because there were lots of consumer based um, board game clubs out there um and it was yeah it was extraordinary we had um we, we launched uh, a, a few new game titles from there uh so that was really interesting um oh really amazing and yeah i miss it desperately miss it so i really do yeah it was a it was a monthly affair um and there was uh, there was alcohol involved obviously so adults only. It was definitely absolutely adults only. It was in a place where it was eighteen plus. It was in a uh, it was in right. a private members club. So it, yeah, it was one of those affairs. Uh, I didn't mean to say that sounded a bit sordid, didn't it? Private members club. It wasn't that no, at all. no, not at all. <laughs> but it, no, it, it, um, can it you, was uh, it was great, and I yeah, I miss it desperately. Can you talk about any of the ideas that came from board game club? So I think they... one of the one of the one of the games that came out of there was um, there was a chap uh, Matt Edmondson. Radio One DJ. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, I think um, he he was um, knocking around there in the early days with his um, first incarnation of a game called Obama Llama, which was a rhyming game. Is that I did not realize Obama Llama was. So it was game. kind of it was it wasn't derived purely from Board Game Club, but it was it 
the seeds of the idea were set from there and he would kind of was introduced to some people um, who made it happen. Um, and now he's into Obama Llama 2 and I think he might be even the Obama Llama 3, but it's a, a massively successful um, game. Um, and there, there, yeah, there are a couple of others. I think there's one called Quirk, which is doing really rather well right now. Uh, and the inventor was there doing some play testing in the early days. So it's um, it's been really interesting. We've made some really good friends and lots of other people have made really good friends. So it's um, yeah, it's been good. Yeah. No, I'm I'm very aware of Obama Llama. I have played that. So so no no um, plans currently to take it online in any means. Are you we kind of just talked about it, but I I'm busy doing my thing and Leslie is busy doing her thing. And there's not there's lots of uh, board game companies doing their own thing online. I think for us to do something would just it would just take quite a bit of effort to re- not get very much back. We're kind of we're a very f- much a physical event where people kind of, you know, very much um, flesh-based rather than a Zoom-based event. So, yeah, when when we're allowed to come back, we'll be back with um, aplomb. I did wonder, um, in your big garage, your big garage of, of, of collected goods, if, if you had to run in and save one or two, let's say two, two items from the garage, if... There was some water damage or something like that. What would you? What would you? So I would save? save herd mentality, which is a a, a game from Big Potato, which uh, is the one of the very few games that my wife will actually sit down and play. It was a massive achievement, um, and it's a game where you've just got to. Uh, it's filled with different questions, and you all play together, and the winners are the people. It's like it's a it's a, a game where. The people who agree the most win, and it's the person who doesn't agree loses. So it's like a collaborative game. And I'm a massive fan of collaborative games because they didn't really exist until quite recently where you all play together against the game. Um, so Herd Mentality is a really, really good one for me. Um, but my so my favourite game ever is... <laughs> it's a game. Nobody will ever have heard of it because I'm so old. It's called, it's called Cascade. And I'm not even sure it's a game. It's more of a toy. So it's had a helical screw that took up a marble to the top. It was about two foot high. And you had to set these, what were almost like tambourines, three of them. So when the ball was released, it would bounce on one, the other, and the other. And then again into this plastic return tray that would take it back to the helical screw and it would go again. But if you didn't set it up correctly, balls would go all over the place. So it wasn't really a, it's, it definitely it wasn't a game or a toy. It was just something to kind of just set it up and sit back and marvel at it. But what I loved about it is that my, on the farm, back to the beginning, is that it used to, it would take up at least the space of our, I don't know, how big was our dining table on the foot? Like 12 foot. And it would take up the entire it, table. It almost sounds like m- mouse trap, but it's just the trap going off bit. Massive, massive mousetrap like that, but with just barbarians. But the greatest thing about this toy, um, and I don't own one now, I've just got the actual plastic, um, one of the parts of it that's in a frame um, on my wall in my house. But I have this amazing, enduring memory that if anybody would even consider saying, Peter, you need to take that off the table, my grandfather would say, Leave him alone. He's playing Cascade. 
So it was like, like it was just, I could hear my granddad's voice even saying it to this day. So it's like, it's just, it, you know, that would be without a doubt the one that I'd say. Physical Goods is made by me, Andy Nielsen, with music produced by Ventislav Lavev. Artwork created by Matt Pro. Big thanks to Peter for his time, and make sure to head to toyology.co.uk if you now feel inspired to dust off that old Guess Who set. <laughs>